Okay, I got a joke for you today. Uh, okay, let's hear it. What do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Sophisticated. Man. <laughs> Welcome to Intermission, a show about anything and everything band-related, proving the band is fun. My name's Kim Shuttlesworth. And I'm Riaz Mohammed. In today's episode of Bowls of Fun, we sit down with private lesson teacher extraordinaires John and Sally Bowles. Okay, let's take two on this oh, one. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. We're what so is, excited. Yes, we have guests today. We promised, <clears throat> so we delivered. Yeah, so with us today is Mr. and Mrs. Bowles, who's part of our private lesson faculty here. Um, and Can we talk about the yeah. episode, how the pun in it is called Bowls of Bo- Fun? Bowls of Fun, yes. But it's not B-O-W, like wet bowl. Like wet bowl? <laughs> no, it is just us hanging out with our favorite two people. Yeah. So full disclosure before we get started, part of this like idea for us to get a podcast started with, I think our first year here, yeah. um, we would have lunch and just sit in the band hall, watch the kids come in and out. And then you guys eventually started to join us at lunchtime and um, have lunch with us. And then it just took a little bit of a turn into getting like a quick little private lesson every single lunch period. So that it this podcast all kind of stemmed from them we should probably thank them publicly thanks Thanks, guys (laughs) as we did it yeah so we want to get started here a little bit we'd like you each to talk about a little bit about your background um and kind of we're gonna and then we're gonna q and a you yeah we're gonna give you q and a okay so why don't we start with you sally okay so i started in capel teaching in uh, private teaching in 1992 with scott mason Um, He called me and did the most awesome thing. He said, I'll do whatever you ask if you'll just come teach with me. And one word got me here. It was the word with. Mm. Yeah, that's because I was all prepared to turn him down. And then he he said, (laughs) he didn't ask me to come. I was all prepared. Why why were you going to turn him down? Yeah, right? I was so tired of being told what to do, I guess. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, and when Scott asked me to teach with him instead of for him, I thought, oh, hang on. Sold. Sold. Mm. It's worth trying. And so um, that was in 1992. So oddly enough, I'm the one who's been here the longest, which is so strange. Yes. But this is actually year 49 for me to be teaching privately. I've never done anything but teach privately and play professionally. That's all I've done. I have a musical ed degree from Texas Tech, all level. I've never used it to get a job, but I use the, um, what I learned from that degree every day. It was so great to be, in retrospect, to be talked into doing a music ed degree rather than performance, which was my original plan. Mm-hmm. And then I went to SMU and did performance, so it all worked out. But I, it's, it's, it's been 49 years of craziness, but, you know, self-employed musician, Way to go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, your turn. So how far back do we go? I mean, how old That's are probably, you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm 76. Oh, wow. You don't look a day over 25. It's okay. true. Mm-hmm. You just had a birthday, too. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started band in Yorktown, Texas, and then we moved to Alice, Texas, the year before Bryce Taylor got there. So that had a big influence on me. I went to Texas Lutheran College, uh, started teaching in New Braunfels Middle School in 1969. 
So this is my 54th year to be teaching. Uh, I band directed from 69 to 88 in New Braunfels for five years. And the third year of that, I started my master's degree out at Tech and got half of it out of the way in three summers. And then was a TA for a full year to finish my master's. Then I taught four years with uh, Phil Anthony out in uh, Lubbock, Coronado. And then uh, we, we got married in 79. I got the job at Newman Smith uh, as a head director at Newman Smith, 79 to 88. And at that time, 88, I decided I didn't want to do band directing anymore. It wasn't fun. And so I've been a private teacher. True story. Uh, it wasn't fun. I have fun. No. <laughs> Who no. knew? Who knew? Do you think you would be a band director now if you saw how fun Mo and I have? Maybe. Maybe. John, I'd like to see you teach a tondu exercise. <laughs> a tondu. <laughs> I just want to say liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there, okay? okay? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> a tondu, I don't know what that is. Tondu is a tondu. dance move. Yeah, dance oh. move. Yeah. Which is why Imagine he's not band directing. Imagine us trying to teach some choreo. <laughs> oh, not me. Not me. <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, Scott, uh, I first started private teaching in Irving. And then Scott asked Sally in that 92 year if she thought um, I would come teach over here. And she said, just ask him. And so at the end of that 92 year, I kind of taught a few kids from Coppell, my Irving schedule, and a few kids from Coppell. And then in 93, uh, I was here full time. So this is our longest-standing private lessons yeah. here in Cuphead. I feel so you know inadequate you, being in this room right now. It's true, right? right? <laughs> you know what you have to realize is back then when I started, there was the one high school mm-hmm. and one middle school. Mm. That and was it's it. just grown. Wow. And it's grown. Yeah, there was just this high school that was not this campus. It was much smaller. And then the old high school, which was West and is now the freshman center, that was the only high school, uh, only middle school that was here. We talked about, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, because you were at what is now CHS 9, I think. Yes, what okay, is now that was That was the old high school. Wow. You talked about him, but I think it's really important because I don't, I don't know that I've told you all the title of our Midwest piece yet, have I? No. no. Okay, so um, obviously we're honoring Scott Mason at Midwest uh, by having a piece made. And as we were talking with the composer and trying to figure out how do we describe him, obviously I talked to you guys a little bit about him because I, I think you guys know way more about him than anyone in the world probably knew. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about Scott just briefly working with him, but I just like you guys to know we'll, we'll announce it here that that piece is called All That We Are. Oh, that's very cool. Which is written cool. by Carol Britton Chambers. Yes, uh, she's uh, yeah. getting that going and that's going to premiere and it'll mm-hmm. be accessible to um, it's a gr- it'll be a grade three, accessible to many, many, many people. Um, it will have some of his favorites highlighted. He will have a trombone solo just because he played trombone. It'll have a little flute and oboe in there. So I think it's going to be a really beautiful piece. And I, that was the title we settled on yep. on like the final day that we had to make a decision. <laughs> to hit submit. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, I think it's beautifully taken. So let's just, you guys spent a lot of time with him. And what I'm really interested in knowing is how did you, how did you, along with him and the other staff, build? what now we are very fortunate to take over well let me start so in 1991 uh in the spring when he called me he actually hired um myself and joey ashbrook and marty nelson those were the three people that he hired that first year and he was when he came here 
they were making not real great ratings here, threes and fours. And so he was, um, Scott was just golden when it came to taking something and making something out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, we were a little bit like the blind leading the blind because the... Just want to throw that out there, because the four and these guys, I love all all of them, um, but the four of us kind of did everything. I mean, I wasn't a band director; they were, mm-hmm. but um, I have ten years of marching band in my background, and so Scott sort of pulled me into the. I, you taught the marching, marching band? band? Oh my gosh! <laughs> no way! No way! No way! Okay, I, just clarifying. I helped. It came out of her mouth, so I was just I curious. I know. I have I have ten years of marching band in my background, and so I I didn't do marching band specifically. I worked with drum majors a little bit because mm-hmm. I drum majored. Um, I Joey Ashbrook did flags, and he would call me and say, "Would you come?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Would you come tell me if this looks stupid or not? Uh, this and is the best the day ever. on my face right now. <laughs> right. I don't know what to do. No. Joey Ashbrook was his actual assistant, and Marty was um, Joe Mayling's assistant out at West. No, no, no. Because uh, at that that first year that Marty was here, East became... Uh, nope, nope. It That's was right. East was an intermediate school. No, it's not right. And then, then uh-huh. Marty opened East. Yeah, he did, but it wasn't built yet. No, that was built. No. It wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> I don't think it was. He was Joe, because well, Marty was Joe's assistant for one year, and then the next year he opened East. But it was an intermediate school before it was built. Oh, I didn't think it was there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I only went to one middle school, and that was West, and that was the only one here. But This is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get anything done no, like no, normal. <laughs> like, no. And so um, Joey did flags. And he would say, you know, does, does it look better to do it this way? or does it? And Joey designed all the flags also that they used, yeah. And so I, I didn't teach flags. I just told Joe if it looked stupid or not. So that was like, <laughs> That, that was, like my job description every that. day. So should I do it this way or this way? No, they both look stupid. Figure something else out. So, and then, you know, <laughs> I know. And so, and then Marty would come in. And so Joey and I kind of did woodwind sectionals Mm -hmm. and then um marty and scott did brass sectionals so that first year that that the four of us were Mm -hmm. a unit was crazy and and i always say this if if scott's and my friendship had been based on us agreeing on things we would have never been friends (laughs) because we didn't agree on very much to be real honest (laughs) We didn't agree on very much the way to get there, but we did agree. The one thing we did agree on was the final goal. Yeah. Mm. And so, which was to grow this program. And I mean, from the first year he was there to the second, it practically doubled in size. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, you know, then that's when Scott came to me because he wanted to build, from our perspective, he wanted to build um, studio teachers. And he wanted to be. He wanted it to have um, the nature of a conservatory. Mm-hmm. And he was, yeah. And he was very serious. And actually, early on, Scott and Marty and I did a clinic at TBA on how to build a conservatory in your in your high school. We did a clinic on it. And so um, we sat down, and that's when he asked me about John, if I thought John would come 
and and teach here and my answer was you just need to go talk to him and ask him and so it was that first year I was here I was the oval teacher but you have to realize when I first started here there was one middle school oval player mm. that was it wow yeah there wasn't there weren't any I can't remember if there was bassoon or not, but there were no oboes at the high school when I started. And so I did a mishmash of things, which is, like I say, I got, I got pulled into uh, marching band things, kicking and screaming. But, you know, that's what is kind of what it is. But um, he was so adamant about, I stand here and I, I wave my arms and I make kids behave and I do all that stuff, but the real teaching happens in the practice room. Mm -hmm. If I hire the right people to do it, mm -hmm. then he's just the putting it together person. And he was very serious about who he went after as private teachers and he had a very, we sat down, the two of us, he and I sat down and uh, there was like bullet point list of things that you wanted and things you didn't want. The cool thing about Scott was that he would say, which is why this program basically ballooned like it did, he said, why would I ever hire anybody that I'm better at what they do than they are? Yeah. Mm. That was a huge thing with him. So he always wanted people, he surrounded himself with people who their specialty, he felt they knew more than he did. And then he was not afraid to ask. You know, that that goes a little true. I don't know. I talked to Sally and John about this a little bit. Um, but when I was a kid and I made All-State Band, and you get all these invitations to go to these band camps, I roomed with Coppell kids, and there were tons of them because yeah. there's so many, like, All-State kids. And I was like, is it like a conservatory there? And they're like, yeah, basically. You know, it was one of the, I think they were even trained to think that it was like a, conserv a conservatory. Something. I would so I, agree. I really thought that it was conservatory for a very, very long time. Until I got into the teaching job and I realized that, oh, it's not a conservatory. They're just, they really have it focused. So when I applied for the job, I didn't know any of this backstory. And I thought, is there a problem with private lessons? Because there's only one teacher, you know, because most schools have multiple, multiple, multiple teachers, right? And then all I get was, you need to call Sally Bowles or John Bowles. <laughs> and you need to figure out what's going on. And I was like, okay. So I did call you up. Right, you did. I did uh, before I even, I mean, I took the job, but it was like before I'd kind of moved into what we were going to do. And you explained it to me. I was like, oh, embrace it. Oh, no, he was adamant. He wanted the best he could find for the kids in his program. He was never, I have to say this, I know Scott had as big an ego as any of us. You know, I probably stand at the front of that ego line. But the deal is he... But what he did, he did not do to make himself look good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He had kids at heart, so they were number one priority for him, kids. Yeah. And he Sometimes would, you maybe didn't think that. I know. It's true. It's true. But in, in his heart of hearts, he would have gone, I mean, he would, he would die on that mountain for kids. Yeah. Yeah, he would do that. And, you know, for us, for John and myself, he turned into such a dear friend, and we all— we just had to agree to disagree mm -hmm. because we did not, we agreed on the final excellence. We didn't always agree on the way to get there. And that's kind of what made this program so many different colors and so many different things. Sure. And, but he, he was adamant about the kids came first. And even sometimes when he would step in it and 
you know, mm-hmm. everything would blow up around him. And um, I, I just, I wish the kids could have known him for who he really was, but he wasn't as comfortable with that, you know, sure. so he hid behind different things, but as we all do, but kids came first for him. Yeah. It, and this program doubled and tripled exponentially in the first four or five years mm-hmm. of, yeah. yeah, I think there were like 125 kids when I first started, maybe 100 something. I will say from my perspective, walking into this job, I, the first thing I notice is there are kids everywhere. Oh, yeah. oh I know. Just the, tons and tons of kids, and they keep going. Yeah, yeah they like, just keep, and it was not like that in the beginning, and mm-hmm. that was Scott's doing. And I think it's something to appreciate, right, John? Yeah. When I first started teaching here, Scott had run off some of the, the kids before because he was who he was. He was very strict about doing things, and had his way, that was it. And when I first started teaching here, that end of that the 92 year, there were no senior or junior trombone players. Oh, wow. And so, you know, the, that was the culture we built. And, and I personally loved the idea that I was the only teacher here in Capel. Yes. Because it was either my fault or my good. You know, it was <laughs> that's whichever, true. whichever way it was. But, yeah. but there's only one know, person to look at. That's it. And being the trombone teacher with Scott being a trombone player, that, that had issues sometimes along the way. But. You mean you guys didn't agree on technique <laughs> no, sometimes? not always. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> but he was a tenor trombone player, yeah? Well, yes. Uh, I started out that way, too, though. But anyway, uh, he, he would work with the kids, and then and, and I'd say, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they would, because they were in the room mm-hmm. where he he wouldn't be there to hear how they played it or see how they played it. So they played it the way I wanted them to play it. Awesome. Okay. That's cool. Rias. So you guys, uh, I mean, you guys have been here for a long time. Um, almost as long as I've been alive. Uh, <laughs> can you talk about like what keeps you going and the longevity in the job a little bit? Well, that's, that to me is easy. It's, if you like what you're doing, if you love what you're doing, you're going to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. That's why I quit band directing because it wasn't any fun. I, the building administration, the main administration, was I had no fun with. Mm. Uh, my building principal, I, I had great principals all the years I taught, but there at Smith, that last principal I had said, I'll, I'll take care of all that other stuff. You don't have to worry about that. You just stay here and teach. And say, oh, I can't do that. So, uh, you know, it, it, it is fun. And if you, if you want to do it, because it's fun, then that's it. You know, I, I knew from a long time ago, my junior year in high school, I wanted to be a band director. Mm-hmm. And I did that as long as I could. And then uh, when it wasn't, then I quit. And I could have done other things, but I still love to teach and uh, play my trombone. So that's that was the route that I took. Right. You? Um Many of the same reasons. I, you know, a friend and I run a series of double read camps. And when I was doing the kid camps, I would say this to the parents at the final concert, because it is really from my heart of hearts is the truth. I love what I do. And I love who I am able to do that with. Um, I'm not going to be around forever. What? <laughs> let's let's pause the conversation here. Okay. For the people listening, just understand that we have told the Bulls when we walk through the door that they're on like a 10-year retainer. So if they want to leave the job, they, they have, have to, to let us 
10, ten years, years notice. notice. But that started yeah. out with two years, and then it was three it years. It seems like it expanded it slightly as we go along. Yeah, you like I'm, this. It's I'm 10, guys. Heels, no, I'm digging my heels into the ground. It's 10. It's, it's 10. 10. We're going to stay in there. And you know what? Now that this is recorded, it's 10. It's, yeah. It's it. Sorry. It's, right. Right. Justification. So I'm going to need to know when we go to doctor's appointment so I can attend. <laughs> Right? You can't do that. That's HIPAA. Right? I'll sit outside. It'll be fine. That's right. So the the deal is I am not going to be around forever. And the only way I know to make sure that there's a future for what I do is to make somebody love it as much or more than I, I do. And I was very careful to always say that to parents because it is the thing that keeps us, the big us, doing this is that we love what we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have fun doing it. And we have a good time doing it. And I mean, we are, for us as private teachers, we are in a weird gray area for kids. Okay. Because we're not a parent, but we're, we're an adult and we're not a band director classroom teacher. Right. But we are an authority figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we fit into this like sort of weird gray area where it's such a you have such a amazing ability to influence mm-hmm. and be there for kids because they'll say things to us that maybe they wouldn't say to parents or to y'all. Right. And um, they also, I mean, I still, this is year 49. I hear from kids from 48 years ago still, and they are not kids anymore. They're barely younger than me, right? Yeah, right. And so the deal is your ability to help them be a good person and become a musician in the process is what is so awesome to me. It's, you know, they come to me a person and then they leave me a person who plays the oboe, but they're still a person no matter what. And that is, that's a win-win for me. So that's why. I mean, speaking about the longevity thing and the 49 year old kid, um, Walking through our private lesson hallway, the way we have it set up is each private teacher has their own room, which is like serves as their own little office. And John, one of my favorite things about your room is walking in and you have all those posters up, but seeing the pictures of all the senior classes going back for what seems like forever. And you, you hear the current kids talking about those kids from a long time ago. So there's like longevity and culture built into that, which I think is really awesome. Yeah, I was gonna ask, you know, and kind of what is your like what do you put in their water because the trombone <laughs> section Lee. when you talk about like I, I yes we as a program build culture but the private lesson staff builds that sectional culture of like within the this culture. yeah like they help build the overall culture of what we do so you know trombones stick together like it is there is no yeah. they the, here in particular like they all know what's going on because there's such leadership within it. So talk to me about how you do it. I, I, I don't know. It's just I, uh, I, I talk to them about, uh, you know, playing really well. They got, they got, you know, just like talking with Karen just a while ago, you know, I, I give you this information and it's your job to go out and use it. You got two ears and you got a brain. Now you got to put those together and play and play well. That, you know, there's there's not, you know, there's not any kind of, you got to do it. Yeah. You just put your head down and do it and then have fun doing it too. You know, that, that I think that's a part of it as well. You know, we we laugh. We, we, we laugh together. 
Mm-hmm. I don't laugh. Sometimes I laugh at them, but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Oh don't worry, oh Sam. But anyway, oh it's my. it's just a matter of having fun doing what you're doing, and and then I don't know. The the kids are, are they gravitate to that kind of stuff. It seems right. like. Yeah, and I I noticed that the oboe kids come out like that was a fun lesson. Yeah. So like, are you like, what are you doing? You know, it's it's. It's all about perception, mm-hmm. I think. And if I have a good time teaching, then they have a good time learning. Mm-hmm. And so we laugh a lot. We are uh, the odd ducks, <laughs> so to speak. And, you know, uh, I always tell kids I like to think of myself as unique rather than odd. And so own your uniqueness. It's Fine. I, I find that in, in when I have my studio together and we're doing master classes or whatnot, they learn to be non-judgmental. And that's a big thing for me, is that they learn not to make snap judges in negative ways about other kids or to make somebody else feel uncomfortable right. in who they are or how they are playing. And the deal is... For me, if I was to expect every kid to become an all-state player, that would be awfully presumptuous of me. Yeah. It's not going to happen. What I do expect, however, is I'm giving my best all the time. You need to give your best all the time. Whatever your best is, we need it. Not right. I need it, but we need your best because we are, you know, that strong is your weakest link thing. So just don't have any weak links. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, my favorite my favorite sentence sometimes in rehearsal is, so I talked to Miss Bowles today. <laughs> oh, and the expression on their faces. Right. Or even like, hey, trombones, um, I'm pretty sure Mr. Bowles said blah, 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 blah. And they're like, and these, all their heads just go down. They're like, oh, they actually talked to them. So, yes, children, yeah. we talk a lot to the private lesson staff and check in on how things are going. Um, but I just love that they... It's almost they don't want to disappoint them more than even us. Sometimes I feel yes. like they're like I do not want to disappoint them, especially y'all's two programs. Like they do not want to let the bowls down. Just like I mean, honestly, I don't want to let the bowls down either. You know, I sit there and I'm like, okay, as we we're getting ready for like Midwest taping, I was yeah. like, uh, John, can you come listen and just is it approval? And John, you know, he's like, well, I mean, it's good. You got to fix blah blah blah. I was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> no, and I write it down and I keep going, you know. But also when we pick literature, I think that's one thing, too, that um, I, I think that directors should utilize their private lesson oh, staff absolutely. to figure out what kids can really play we or where do we think we can go today. there. Yeah, Ria's yeah. is thinking about doing, I'm going to say piece. it's Shostakovich Ooh. Fifth Symphony Finale. Ooh. Ooh. Don't put that out there. Yeah, and Secrets. I said that I wasn't going to say no, but if, if the private les- lesson staff said yeah. no, then we're saying no. Because you're going to know if they can do that chamber section or not. Yeah. Right? And so, any else? It, Look at the expression on her face right now. Yeah, she's saying no. <laughs> That's what she said. It's okay. We can keep going. It's, yeah. It's fine. It's one of those just, things. Just thinking it through <laughs> as we, it's but running through my head. There is a lot of conversation that we have about, you know, like I said, hey, do you think we can play Hindemith? Like, that was the first thing I set them down and said, can the double reads, do you think the double reads can handle this? Do we think the brass section can handle it? And starting to get that information, I sat down with every private teacher and said, what what are the strengths of the group that I have in front of me that you think those players are going to be able to do? Or how can we grow them? 
And so having that relationship, I mean, because they've really, they've helped me steer into right pieces. And then they've been like, nope, not right now, Kim. We don't have, we don't have the depth yet. You can't do that. And so I think that's really important uh, when you do those types of building with your private lesson people. Yeah, I mean, the private lesson staff is my second check, because if I think mm-hmm. I'm if I'm interested in playing pieces, the first thing I do is I come into your office right. and say, hey, what about this? And then if I get a clear from you, because, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I yeah, feel like I'm still young. Right. Uh, and then I'll go, I'll listen and figure out what those, like, small sections are, the chamber sections, and then I go to the private lesson staff mm-hmm. and approach them, hey, what do we think about these kids playing this? So that's that's kind of how I do that process. Some of my favorite comments from John are, it'll be loud, but it'll probably be good. <laughs> <laughs> they get to play loud. It'll be fine. Uh, but for the sake of time, because exactly. we have to go teach some class and read your band things. I don't want to, um, but that's okay. We will today. Uh, the, my, I think a good question is, uh, what would be a great piece of advice for, like, for teachers starting their private lesson studios? You have to be committed and you have to be consistent. Um, a lot of private teachers, and I'm making a general statement, if, you're, if you are a private teacher who plays as well, both of us play, mm-hmm. and um, you're going to take every single job that you get, which is going to take you away from being consistent as a teacher and seeing those kids on it, because consistency is what, consistency and longevity. Again, I've been here th- since Scott said, will you promise me the long haul? And I said, yes, and I'm still here. And so that's consistency and longevity is what pays off, I think, for the, the program in general. But um, if you let the, if you let something else pull you away, mm-hmm. where you are not totally committed to what you're doing, and it's like, it, it can't be just a paycheck. I'm sorry. I know teachers don't get paid enough. They really don't. Any teachers get paid enough. But if you're in teaching for the money, maybe you should reassess because it's not going to be there and you're going to get real frustrated and it's going to make you not a successful teacher and it's going to make your kids not enjoy. So as a private teacher, because you are self-employed, you're not employed by the school district. There are no benefits. There are no, okay. But... Um, you have to be you have to be committed to doing the best you can and then you have to be consistent in what you do and that i think for, for me because my my kids are a different sort of angel so to speak and <laughs> they 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 don't learn the same right they do not all learn the same and where i look at one and say the grass is green and they agree with me Another month, I'm going to say the grass is green, and they say, yep, sky's blue. So I have to realize, if I have to say it 25 times, 25 different ways, and it takes that 25th time for them to understand, then that's what I need to do. So I think consistency and and just believing in not only what you do, but believing in the kids. And, you know, I always say, I wish y'all could see yourselves through my eyes. Right. You know, because they are not as confident in themselves john you got anything just don't don't be a private teacher for the money no, <laughs> Amen. That's not it, john has always wisdom. been the more pointed person <laughs> yeah, in the conversation the man but, of but you have words. to you have to love what you're doing and and you got to get whatever kid you know i'm not trying to, i've had some really great students but i'm not trying to make every one of them as 
those people. What yeah. I'm trying, in the way I am, but what I'm trying to do is make everyone be the best that they can be. And it's always the, the, the key word is yet. I can't do this yet. Mm -hmm. They get giving them the tools to be able to work at it and keep encouraging. And when they need something to chew, chew on them a little bit because they're not done, then do that. But build them up in their own self-esteem about how they do things. Yeah. You know, and take wherever they are, because I've had some that are not very talented. You know, that that you know I try to get them to do whatever they can, the best that they can, and they feel good about it. What I do appreciate from you, John, is that you always tell me to give it time and the kid's going to show me something different. And I always try to remember that in, in, in those conversations. So um, really quickly before we say our thank yous and stuff, like uh, you're in charge of Festival Trombones. Yeah. yeah. When is that date this year? Uh, next year it's July the 21st through the 24th, I believe it is. Okay. And that is for any trombone player in the DFF. DFW area anywhere anywhere, anywhere around best. they can come in so learn from some of the best as long as they played one year hmm. and we had a doctoral student here last year mm -hmm. last summer and, and kids from Indiana and uh, Indiana School of Music you know wow. awesome so, that's cool I mean that uh, honor has been there for three years and he's been in Indiana all those times yeah and then you teach vocal majority. Yeah, we teach a series. My bassoon friend and I teach a series of double reed camps all over Texas and the U.S. And um, again, they, but we also do a beginner class where they haven't, I mean, like they start at ground zero and move from there. But my, our camps are for kids who've been playing one year and above. And then we also do band director camps, we have band director boot camps, where we teach band directors to teach our instruments because we kind of get lost in the black hole of secondary instruments <laughs> at college. Yeah. You, it's true. Line. We do, which is was the basis right. of, and especially, you know, in talking to the band directors that were college kids during the pandemic, you know, uh. oh man, they didn't even play our instruments they maybe talked about them but they mm -hmm. didn't get reads so we are in the in the secondary instrument world of college we are the big black hole so that's what made us start the band director boot camps which have been really su successful thank you lord and so yeah we have a, a you know built a society for that which is kind of unique yeah man I love these two. You guys aren't allowed to leave us. <laughs> Listen, we want to thank you. Yes, We've been talking about for this for time. almost a year and, and just sharing some knowledge. Yeah. And we might bring you in when we start doing instrument specific things. But cool. we just wanted to really talk about the private lessons and importance of private lessons mm -hmm. in the school system and how um, the longevity of it can last. I think people are getting out of the career too soon. But there's lots of options for people. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. Sure. From the perspective of, from our perspective, mm -hmm. Um, and this is at any school, but um, if you're going to have private teachers, be sure that they feel inclusive in right. your program. Yeah. Don't because, make them be just a checkbox. Yeah, because it's real easy for you to get busy, and um, you've just got other things on your plate, and it's real easy for what goes on with private lessons to kind of float mm -hmm. away from you. Absolutely. But we are the most successful for, for kids and for y'all if we are very included in what's going on and that there is always a dialogue for that. And it's, it's you know, we are like anybody else. If we feel appreciated, we're going to go to the moon and back. Right. You know, and so no matter where you are, be sure that if you're going to have that private lesson program that you use it to 
the best of its ability. So, okay. Well, my, we my, definitely I, appreciate you guys. I yes. got one last thing to say yep. as well. That, I'm ready. You know, having y'all here has been great. Amen. Well, we appreciate that. I mean, We're just thanks. trying to bring a little lightness to the, yeah. to that, the day. I mean, that's that's part of the fun part of, of doing the private teaching. It's fun with the kids, but it's fun having the interaction and the dialogue that we have. So thank Listen, you for being here. Yeah. Listen, I'm just trying to not be bad. So right. glad to hear I that. don't want to disappoint the bowls. <laughs> yes. That's all any of us are doing, okay? Well, we appreciate you very much. Yes, thank and you for your time. Listeners out there, go get you two bowls like we've got. <laughs> all right, bye. Uh, bye. <laughs>